Hey, party people, welcome back to This Guy's Legit. I'm so glad you're here. We had a pretty good season break, lots of work, a little bit of family time. Hope you were able to do something good for yourself over the last few weeks. And we are back and better than ever. In this episode, we talk goals and we talk goal setting. If you're new to this show or if you're new to me, then you might not know that I am obsessed with goals. I love creating them, I love crushing them, and I love helping other people do the same. I've developed a workshop that takes folks through a process to get clear on what you want and to chart a course to achieve it. If you're interested in learning more about the workshop, you can read all about it at thisguyslegit.com. Just click on workshops. If after you've read it, you feel like you have some more questions and you aren't quite ready to um, dive in yet, you can email me at rachel at boneandgold.com and we'll set up a time to chat. Or of course, you can DM me at This Guy's Legit on Instagram. You can DM me anytime there. I'm always checking it and always responding. I really believe that people deserve to have the life that they love. And I really believe that if you can get clear on what you want, you can achieve it. If you don't know what you want, you're never going to get it. This workshop has helped a lot of people get really clear and move forward, and I hope that it helps you too. You're listening to This Guy's Legit. During that year, I was like, I'm just not going to say no to anything. That's just my rule. I'm not going to say no to work. It doesn't matter if they're paying me lower than what I need. It's work, and I'm going to take it because it's. I'm going to be in front of people. I'm going to be like in people's faces, working, getting my hands dirty. People are going to figure out that I can work hard and I can do whatever you want me to do. Jillian Knox is an interdisciplinary creative polymath based in San Francisco, California. You can find her online at jjules. With a BFA in photography, concentrating in fashion photography from Savannah College of Art and Design, Jillian combines her creative passions to serve her clients and fuel her creative fire. Jillian opened her online vintage store, Jules Jules Vintage, in 2009 to hone her commercial photography, styling skills, and embrace her love for fashion. She currently works as a food and fashion stylist. We met up at the Ruby SF to record this conversation. You're listening to This Guy's Legit. Jillian, I'm so glad you're here. Me too. So I want to hear how you've spent this day. Like, how Ooh. did you get to here? Um, and if you feel inspired, maybe even go back a full 24 hours. Ooh, okay. Let's see. Mm, the, well, yesterday wasn't that interesting. Uh, but today was pretty cool because I'm here. So that's awesome. But I woke up... Um, my husband <laughs> woke me up by turning the lights on while I was still sleeping because he had to get up and leave. And I was just like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> so I was like, are you serious right now? That's but, so brutal. Yeah. And I'm like, fine, whatever. I should probably get up. So, um, but I went to the hair salon and did, got my hair did. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I'm going to my 15 year high school reunion this weekend. So, you know, your girl had to get it all together. Yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so, and then I had a phone call after that with um, a new client. It's pretty cool. Um, working on some new, like, food 
stuff, so can't talk about it right now. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I'm excited about it, and All it's right. like something I've wanted for a long time. So it was oh. on my. I like write out goals every year, like before the year starts. Um, like what kind of clients I want, what I want to be doing. I I did. I like manifested this too because like I want to like do more speaking and like last year I did like moderating for discussion panels and talked about food and talked about art and like you know fashion and like you know really engaged with my community and I think that's like so important to do so like this kind of stuff is really important to me so I'm just like really stoked. (laughs) <laughs> so how did you, how did goal setting become a practice of yours? Has it like, did someone tell you about it? Did it just like feel right and came from inside of you? Do you follow a book? How do you, how do you, what's your process around that? So my mom, like when I was really young, like instilled that in me, like you need to start writing things down. And like my dad told me when I was, I don't know, like 10 or 12 that like, if you don't have a plan, other people's plans sound really good. And their plans become your plans. So then their their lives become your lives and you are actually aren't living your own truth. You aren't living your own path. So um, so it's a little bit of both of like my mom and my dad. But um, my mom would buy us the, what are those, cal- those calendars? Like, I forget who makes them. But she would buy us calendars every year and be like, this is the calendar for the new year. And this is the format. And, like, she would explain the format, like, and, like, how to use it. And even, like, my high school talked about, um, like, organizational skills and how to use a calendar and, you know, keeping yourself, like, time management and stuff like that. So, like, I that's kind of been ingrained in me for a long time. Um, but really using goals, uh, now that I'm a freelancer, like, using goals as a way to kind of, like use it as like a benchmark of like measuring your skill set and measuring your success and your wins and even your failures, um, is, has become more of a, like more ingrained in me, like the past few years. Um, just because like as a freelancer, you're accountable for everything, you know, like, and if something doesn't go the way you wanted it to, like you really only can blame yourself. And so that's, that's fine. I like doing that. I like, having that amount of accountability and like it's fine like you know like I can own it and I like owning it (laughs) I love that your parents made that such a family practice Mm -hmm. like that's so many so many people don't have that Mm -hmm. example set and so I think that the fact that they knew how important that was and they explained why it wasn't just here's this thing to do so that you're you show up to whatever on time right um it was here's why so you can walk your truth so you can live your path and carve your story instead of falling into someone else's man Mm -hmm. what a powerful lesson yeah but i mean i you know you're like a shit little kid like you're like oh we had a calendar (laughs) oh like so annoying you know what i mean like you're just like so like annoyed yeah but like i'm like man like no, like, she knew what she was doing. Like, she knew what she was talking about. Like, yeah. And it was, like, and even now, like, when the new year rolls around, I'm like, I'm going to get my calendar. Oh, yeah. Like, I get, like, super excited. <laughs> I'm, like, such a nerd now. But um, I found one that I absolutely love. Um, I actually have it with me. It's, uh, I got it from Anthropology. And there's of course cat hair you on did. it. I Hilarious. love Anthropology. 
Um, but it's by this illustrator slash artist named Ashley Mary. Mm. Um, and it's just amazing. Like, it mm. has, like, goal setting in here. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like, birthdays and, you know, all the normal stuff. But there's, like, a whole section on goal setting. Mm. So there's three-month goals for work, growth, happiness. Six-month goals for work, growth, happiness. And then one-year goals, work, growth, happiness. Five-year goals. And then and then it goes into each month. But each month also you have goals for each month. And then, like, you talk about, like, what are you going to treat yourself to this month? Like, like really healthy, like, amazing things like that. Like, yeah. for my birthday, I'm like, I'm going to Mexico and I'm buying a Gucci belt. Like, boom. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> what I'm doing. You know? And then the rest of the time, I'm like, oh, all right, I should probably get my, my act together and yeah. save some money and, like, do, like, you know put my money towards like more business oriented mm-hmm. things so but having it all written down allows you to forecast that totally that kind of way. man the thing that i love the most about you having just pulled out your planner is that you actually have those things filled out yeah <laughs> like you're not just like oh i have this planner oh, yeah, i'm no. carrying around <laughs> but you actually like i can see your goals right there yeah i'm gonna ask you about those later okay that's cool but first i want to hear you said you were a shit little kid you probably weren't <laughs> But you're probably really cute and really interesting. So what were you like? Mm, I was, I like literally like danced to the beat of my own drum for sure. And I'm still like that. Like, I don't think I've changed in that regard. I think I've become a little bit more polished. Uh, I'm still a pirate and I have a pirate mouth. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care. (laughs) Um, But like, you know, I was bossy. You know, like... You were a leader. Oh, sure. I'll take it. That's cool. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but, like, you know, I I dictated a lot of, like, what I liked, what I didn't like. Um, I played violin from, like, 5 until, like, 13. Oh, wow. But I told my mom, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I have a science for a project, and it's really stressing me out, and I can't do this. I can't do both. I have to decide. And I'm like, besides, I want to do art. So, like... In, like, seventh grade, I'm like, I don't want to do this. I want to do art. So that was, like, the beginning of me, like, kind of breaking the rules a little bit in my family. Like, nah, I'm not going to do that. Like, I'm just, this is what I want to do. So what? (laughs) That's pretty amazing that you already knew that you wanted to do that. I mean, and it's not like, you're not saying, like, oh, I have this project I want to make. Like, you just told me, like, when you were 14, you realized, I want to do art. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How did you? Was there a someone else you saw who was doing art? It's like, how did you family. even know? Okay, yeah, same more. Yeah, so like my grandfather uh, was like the most like amazing, talented man, and I only knew him for a short period of time. He died of cancer when I was very young, um, but he he raised my dad and my dad's two sisters basically with a foundation in art. So, like, my grandfather was a muralist in D.C. I grew up in D.C. Um, my dad went to school, went to Howard for art. Like, he, I think he, like, double majored. I don't remember. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> um, and then both of his sisters also studied art. And then his oldest sister uh, was an art teacher in the D.C. public schools for over 20 years. So, yeah, so it was, like... I was, like, seeing his artwork all the time. I'd go in the basement and, like, go through his old portfolios from college and, like, look at all of his charcoal drawings and, like, even 
the art that my mom did very secretly. Like, she didn't really talk about it. But, um, you know, both of my parents are super creative. My dad, I, I call him an artist. He doesn't really go by that anymore. But um, I just, it's just something that I felt, like, was really in me. And, like, from the beginning, I was always making things with my hands. I have this crazy imagination, and I refuse to let it die. So, yeah, that's, like, really how I got into it. Why would you, why do you think it's important for children to see these opportunities modeled for them in the world? Um, because I think they need to know that there are other things besides being a doctor or a lawyer or being a fireman or a mermaid. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, there's real amazing things that you can do and you can change people's lives and, like, art and any sort of, like, creative field. Like, you can change your life or change other people's lives. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, what was your first job? My very first your job? Your very first ever, job. Ever, ever. Okay. The first, the first, what was the first way you made a meaningful amount of money? And meaningful to you at the time? Mm, okay. So, uh, my very first job, I was a camp counselor at a music school. And I had 15 five-year-olds. I was 13 years old. Yeah. It was amazing. That's a big job for it was a young awesome. person. It was awesome. I don't, I can't even count how many teeth I pulled out. <laughs> it was yes. so much fun. And like, I would tell them ghost stories at lunch and like, we would do like really amazing, fun, creative things. Um, and that was kind of like, that was like when I realized that like young people and children are so magical. And I was just like, Man, the imagination is, like, such a cool thing, you know? Mm. And, like, mm. I don't even know how much money I made, but I think the experience of, like, being around kids and, like, knowing that you can affect someone in, like, such an amazing way for a short period of time was just, like, so cool. Mm. Um, but my first, I guess my first job that I made, like, a really amazing amount of money, uh, I worked at the EPA. <laughs> <laughs> I interned there for a summer. Wow. And um, I they told me that I was the first intern that worked there that did my job and the job of the other interns from three years before. So I did four years, four summers worth of work in one summer. Wow. Because I just didn't dick around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, so... Yeah, and then, like, at the end of it, my boss, like, gave me a bonus. She's like, here you go. She, like, wrote me a check. Thanks so much. And I was like, yes, like, I can take this to school. But, like, I, I like, blew through the first, like, two checks. Yeah. I was like, drinks on me. Like, it's all good. Like, mm -hmm. I work for the EPA. Like, I'm balling. You know what I mean? Like, no, you're an intern. <laughs> like, you don't make anything. But, like, it was, like, the first like check that I got that was over like three hundred dollars. So but like, what sweet. a what a beautiful feeling to like feel like you have an abundance. Yeah. And then what a beautiful way to use that mm -hmm. to support the people around you and lift everybody up. I mean I think that's that's something that I have always seen in you since the first time I met you is like you're not in it for you. You're trying to figure out how to make the thing the best it can be for everybody. Yeah. And that's a really um sounds to me like you've just that's just who you are. That's how you've always been. So mm -hmm. 
Keep that up. Thanks. So, so how, so did you have just like job, 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 job? Like, did you have a career before you decided to, you know, go off on your own? Hmm. Or have you always sort of cobbled together cre- like uh, passion pursuits that, and like made a paycheck out of it? Uh, all of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, so my freshman year of college, I went to SCAD in Savannah, Georgia. Uh, my major was photography. What is SCAD? It's for Savannah, those of us who oh, don't. Savannah College of Art and Design. Oh, okay. okay. In Savannah, Georgia. Um, and they have multiple campuses now, which is nuts. Um, so I was at the one in Savannah, Georgia, the original campus. Um, my major was photography. And I, like, was such a perfectionist that I would stay up all night, like, doing my drawing 101 work. And... I slept through my alarm a bunch of times. I was late a bunch of times. And they have, like, a very strict rule. Like, if you are 15 minutes late to class, you're absent. If you're uh, absent more than four times, then it's a fail. So I failed my drawing class. And I was like, holy crap. (laughs) That means the next semester I couldn't get my scholarship. So my dad was pissed. He was pissed. So I went home that summer and he's like, look, we had an agreement. You would keep your head down and you do your work and you'd make sure that check came in so that we could pay. And you fucked it up. <laughs> okay. So I'm not paying. So it really like kicked me in the ass and I worked my ass off like all summer long. And then I skipped the first quarter of school and worked. So between the beginning of summer and the first start of the second quarter of school, I had five jobs. So at one point I had three jobs altogether. So I was sleeping like four hours a night, like scraping together money, like making sure that I would have enough money to like pay rent. I like found an apartment in Savannah that was $200 for a room. It was literally like a 13 by eight room. It was very, very small. Um, And I got all this, like, modular furniture so I can move things around and, like, go to bed and work and, like, whatever. Um, So, yeah, like, (laughs) I've I've always, like, kind of, like, after that, it's just, like, okay, like, I know how much work it takes to make a certain amount of money. I know what I'm capable of. I know that I'm stronger for it because of that, like sleeping four hours a night, waking up at, you know, five in the morning to go open anthropology and then get off at five, take a bus to my hostessing job, work at a restaurant, you know, until one in the morning. <laughs> you know crazy. what I mean? That's crazy. So, and then on the weekends I would work at a jewelry store. So yeah, I had three jobs like all together. <laughs> wow. Wow. But you do what you have to do is the, I think the point. Yeah. Um, wow. So Mm -hmm. how did you then make the, so you went to school, you had a bunch of jobs. Mm -hmm. Um, how did you carve out this niche for yourself as a, as a food stylist? Is that what I call you? Stylist? Yeah. I just say stylist. Okay. Because you also do clothes. I do. Yeah. I do wardrobe and food. And set. And props. Props. Yep. And then, uh, depending on who's asking me, I will do art direction and branding for musicians. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. So how, how did you make the leap into that? How did you decide, like, all right, I can make a living doing this. I am an adult, and this is what I'm doing with my life. Mm-hmm. Um, well, when I graduated, I, 
it was like when the economy tanked. So I kind of like had to make a way out of no way. And I like took that energy that I was like, oh, I know how to hustle. I know that life. So I took that on and was just like, okay, well, I moved to Chicago and I opened an online vintage store and started hustling clothes um, and then eventually moved to San Francisco and like was still doing that. And I used that skill set and my photography skill set to land a job at Buyer California, which is like a really, really old school company. They've been around since like the 60s. And I worked in their uh, creative department uh, doing photography, retouching, uh, and then like garment styling. Um, so I, I had like four people's job like in the, in that place. Again, that's a theme. That's a theme. One one Jillian doing four people's jobs. Um, and like after that, then I went to another company and just focused on styling. And um, like between that period, I um, started a, a vegan food blog with my friend. And just as an outlet, just, like, I love food. Like, I want to eat. I want to make food. I want to, like, write stuff. And, like, she was also an editor. So, like, it was a perfect relationship. Um, we even had, like, uh, a garment line. We had tote bags, like, sweatshirts, like, everything. Like, we had, like, an, a full line of merch, like, for our blog. Um, and <clears throat> I was, like, reaching out to other companies and partnering with them. Like, we did recipe development for uh, a restaurant in... Uh, like Russian Hill, like Marina area, and uh, we worked with Boodles. So those were like our first two clients. And basically, I at the end of that, I had a huge portfolio of food styling work, and I just put it on my website. I was just like, I'll see what happens. And then um, I was working at another fashion company, and I just like reached out to Mixed, who's a restaurant here, and just, like, on Instagram, like, hey, I went to your Yerba Buena location. I love it. And do you need a food stylist? <laughs> just, like, throughout uh, literally an empty hook. I was like, I, I'm literally cold calling this place. And they wrote me back, and they're like, actually, yeah, we do. We're new available. And so that's how I started with them. They were my first, like baby's first like food client yeah wow like just fresh out of the like blogging world you know like jumped into it and I never really looked back since then wow mm -hmm. when you were a blogger did you cultivate a pretty nice following or pretty good yeah yeah like we, we our writing was like pretty cheeky and like funny and sarcastic like my friend Lydia and I who Lydia who started it with me uh she's really funny she's like a science nerd and so she just like write really like nerdy like food statistics and um, yeah I don't know it was just like that's great <laughs> yeah that's great and then were you able to sort of keep that audience and like bring them with you when you went to pursue this other iteration of yourself I think a little bit of that but um, I think for the most part we just kind of archived everything and just left it where it was yeah as like a resource for people to access so cool. yeah. That's mm -hmm. the power of the internet. Things mm -hmm. sort of, like, don't really ever die. Right. When I just resurrected, well, when I created a new website for this podcast, I pulled over some of the writing that I did for an old an old website mm -hmm. that I had. And when I, because um, I was like, ah, oh, I can't just let it die forever. Mm -hmm. And when I read back, I was like, oh, 
like some of these stand the test of time. Like, yeah. okay, they're coming with me. Cool. Um, but it's weird to sort of like see your own voice from like such a totally different time of life. Mm-hmm. Um, have you looked back at any of that work? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I still use some of those recipes. Nice. Yeah. I'm like, oh, you want a cornbread recipe? I got you. Like, nice. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's great. Yeah. Uh, that's fantastic. Uh-huh. Um, so have you had a big break? Like, what was your big, was mixed your big break? I think, yeah, they really were. Um, and they're like my family. I mean, I hang out. I love hanging out with them. <laughs> they're like amazing human beings. That's awesome. Um and they're just innovative and cool, and so I just, they're lovely. Um, but I think, I, I think I've had a lot of different breaks. It's, it really just depends on, like, you know, what what you're talking about. It's just, like, for wardrobe, I would say, like, I did some work with Xfinity that was, like, really great. Um, and I worked with them for like, it was like a six part series, I believe. So just like neighborhood family meets like TV expert. Um, that was really fun. Um, Bon Appetit was like a huge break for me. Um, I worked with Oriana Corin, who's in LA. She's an amazing photographer. And I like, honestly, like trust her so much. Like I, like we just we actually just came back from Baja. We were shooting a cookbook down there a couple weeks ago, and it's just like I can work, and then I just like know that she's gonna do it, and I don't have to like worry, mm-hmm. you know. And so and there's a lot of people that I work with like that that everyone just trusts each other, and it's so it's so rare to find, mm. but it's just like when you find those like puzzle people that you just like mesh with and you're just like oh no I know you've got it I'm doing my part and you're doing your part and we're like doing it together it's just really magical why is trust so important in in the creative field and specifically in like film and photo making Mm -hmm. but also in creativity in general why is trust so important um you won't get anything done (laughs) if you don't have it you won't get anything done like if you're constantly double checking someone's work if you're constantly micromanaging them if you're constantly worried about what kind of job they're going to give you or the results are going to give you like it's not going to work like you're going to be stressed out you're going to be overworking yourself you're going to have your hands in too many things and you're not going to be focused so Mm -hmm. and I've learned the hard way trying to do it all and like it's really not okay (laughs) like it's okay to like Ask for help, and it's okay to just, like, let some things go, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you recently directed your first video. I did. I want to hear about that. <laughs> what was that What was that experience like for you, and what did you learn from it? Well, you were in it, so, like, that was awesome. <laughs> Thank you for having me. That it was, was so, so fun. <laughs> so cool. Um, it was amazing. I mean, honestly, I was so emotional at the end of the day because I couldn't believe we pulled it off. Um, it's a music video for Amy DeBalos, who's a jazz singer in, based out of San Jose. And this is her like debut album. Like we have been working on branding for like over a year with her and it was like so personal, like just talking to her, like learning about her and her family. And this song is just so wonderful. I'm so excited about it. And it's just like, you know, female empowerment and, 
when I heard the song, I, I, like most things, when I hear something or when I see an image or something, it's literally like these like flashes of images that come to me. And so I just like have to like either write it out or I have to like start grabbing images off the internet to like make a mood board like really quickly. Um, and like, or I'll just like sketch it on like Google keep, Mm. like I'll like draw things. Um, but like the images for this really just like showed up. Like Mm -hmm. it just like came out of like, it just came flooding in. Um, and then reaching out to, it's really like reaching into your community and being like, Hey, like I'm doing this project. You're amazing at what you do. Like, can you just be you and be amazing at what you do on this project? And I, we didn't have enough money to pay everyone their full rate, uh, cause everything was like crowdfunded, but, um, it was just like, you just get strong people and you trust them. Like, this is, here's the vision. Is it possible? You know, like, what can we do? How can we make this happen? And that's what we did. (laughs) We Mm -hmm. We had a crew of 13 women. Two of them are not in the Bay. Like our edit, our editor is in, um, Cleveland and then our colorist is in New York. Mm. Um, so we just finished it today oh wow that's amazing (laughs) like it's fully edited wow like we got it all done in like less than a month yeah that's That's fast that's a really fast turn yeah wow that's really cool that's really cool when you shared the the concept Mm -hmm. pdf Mm -hmm. with me I was like oh you're like the perfect person to make this this is like (laughs) it was it was but then when I met all the women that were involved you know when I first thought I was like oh this is like this is Jillian like on a mood board. <laughs> and then when I, you know, all the color and all of that. And then when I met everybody, I was like, oh, no. Like, this is actually, like, it's a the merging uh-huh. of this community. This uh-huh. is, like, a snapshot. And uh-huh. when I was there, I felt the the sense of community. Mm-hmm. Like, these really beautiful, deep relationships. Mm-hmm. And I felt, like, welcomed into it, which mm-hmm. felt really, really nice as well. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, when you talk about trust and you talk about partnership and you talk about how, like, it takes a lot of people to, to make something good. Yeah. Um, it's true. And I think um, it's so special that you guys have all found each other. Yeah. Um, it's very fortunate and very rare. Yeah. Like you were saying. It's, it's so it's, rare. It's very rare to find those people. And, like, once you find them... You just, like, oh you God. just keep yeah. on holding them. Yeah, for sure. So how do you make a living? Like, what do you cobble together to, like, put money in your pocket? All the things. All Just, like, yes. will you pay me? Yes. yes. Please, yes. take it, go. Yes. And um, when I first started freelancing, because I left, when I left my full-time fashion job uh, almost three years ago now, um, I just, like, reached out into my network and was like, hey... I need to, let's do an informational interview. I need to know what you're doing. How can I do it? It's, you know, it's just like really digging deep and like getting the resources. And my friend Amanda, who's, um, who does like art direction for film as well. And she's just like, she also has like a very clear aesthetic and vision. And I, I just like love her so much. Um, but she put me on in the wardrobe department for a movie, a short film about a circus. And that was like, you know, I just kind of like jumped in with both feet and like 
literally since then it's just like oh like I've worked with her on this film and like people recommend me for things and it's all like word of mouth Mm -hmm. um but during that year I was like I'm just not gonna say no to anything that's just my rule I'm not gonna say no to work it doesn't matter if they're paying me lower than what I need it's work and I'm gonna take it because it's I'm gonna be in front of people I'm gonna be like in people's faces working getting my hands dirty people are gonna figure out that I can work hard and I can do whatever you want me to do so yeah, that year of saying yes <laughs> turned into another year of saying yes, and now I'm here at saying yes again, you know? Yeah. So I think it's, yes, if you pay me, great. But now I'm at the point where I'm like, okay, you know what, I, what I'm capable of, and so now I can ask for what I'm worth. Um, but also, like, I still don't say no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How do you advocate for your rate? How do you, um, I will preface this to say that something I really appreciate about production is that like people have rates. There's an industry standard rate. It is, this is just what you make. If this is your job, that's what you make. Um, I like that. And yet there are a lot of occasions where like the budget's tight Mm -hmm. and they have to pick and choose what do they value most? Where Mm -hmm. are they going to put their budget? Um, if someone comes to you with a lower rate and, you know, you, you want to say, and like, how do you decide if a project is worth taking? Mm-hmm. How do you decide if a project is worth taking for less? And if it's not, how do you advocate for yourself to mm-hmm. get to get that rate that you need? Yeah. Usually if it's a project that is lower in my rate, it's usually, I'll usually do it if it's a passion project. If it's like something that really resonates with me or if it's work that I don't have at all. Um, so like if it's a smoothie company or if it's, you know, pasta or, you know, something like that, or, you know, high end jewelry or whatever, if I don't have it in my portfolio or if I haven't even assisted on a set like that, because I still assist, um, Mm -hmm. I don't turn that down either. Um, and I basically just, will just be like, okay, well just tell me what is the rate that you're thinking and how close can we get? Um, you know, I'll still like negotiate, but it's just like, okay, I'm just going to let you know, like, this is my rate, but I know that you only have this amount just so you know, like, this is not industry. I like have to explain it, you know, like this is not an industry standard or this is not like, you know, what I charge. So Mm -hmm. just so that we're clear Mm -hmm. that you're getting a deal, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and like if you have jobs down the line that that you have more money, this is the rate Mm -hmm. that you should be paying people. Yes. So it's not it's not just about me. It's like it's like you have to teach the client about the future people that they're going to be hiring and that they have to be fair to the next group of folks. I like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's paying it forward. It's education. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's advocating for yourself. And also there is, there is perceived value is real. Mm -hmm. And when someone, you know, pays $500 for something that actually should cost a thousand or when someone pays $10 for something that should cost 25, Mm -hmm. they don't value it as Mm -hmm. much. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, it's great that you say yes. And it's even better that you set a standard for the folks who are coming behind you. Mm -hmm. I really like that. Mm -hmm. How do you recharge and how do you stay inspired when your work is so creative and, you know, every day you walk out of the house, like 
looking fly. <laughs> like that takes some amount of, of, of energy. Um, how do you invest in yourself to stay inspired? Mm. Um, it's, it's a few steps. So acupuncture is one of them. I love acupuncture. Um, two, it's traveling. And three, it's art. Mm. So I have a membership to the SF MoMA, and I go on, like, art dates with people. So, like, we should go. We should go. <laughs> you can get in for free, girl, because I have a membership. I'm coming. <laughs> I'm coming. Yes. Um, you know, we'll, like, do tea time or, you know, afterwards or just make it, like, a day of it. So, um, but it's, like, seeing new art, like, yeah. really, like, taking note of, like, what's happening in the art world and, like, seeing how colors are used, how textures are used and even, like, the architecture of that building is so amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, the De Young, I love going there, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and Legion of Honor. Just, like, making the rounds. Like, even when I'm traveling, like, I make sure I go to art museums. Like, that's really important. I like seeing art in different cities and educating myself on the communities that are out, out you know, outside of the Bay and outside of, like, D.C. Like, because D.C. has... I love the museums in D.C. They're all free for the most part. That's amazing. Yeah. So how do you balance the real world with the very real pull of having a presence online? How do I balance the real world with my presence online? Yeah. And just online, just just, not so much with your presence online. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. Yeah. With like how you show up online, also how you engage online, like how there's so much, it's like there's sometimes it feels, Backing up. Sometimes it feels like there's two worlds. <laughs> uh-huh. It's like there's this whole there's this whole community that's occurring online. Yeah. Conversations are happening. Yeah. Things are getting posted. People are getting mad about something. Yeah. Like people are getting excited about something. Yeah. It's all happening over there. Yeah. And then meanwhile, like here we are, you know, in this room right now. Like how do you stay, how do you keep it real in both places? And how do you find balance between those two things? Mm. Are they separate? No. I don't know. They're not. At least not for me. Um, Because I love people and I love connecting so much. And even, I don't actually have business cards. So I just say, follow me on Instagram or send me a DM. Because I respond to every single message and every single comment. And... You know, like, I love engaging with people, and there's, you know, like, I, it's so crazy. So, like, I was in Baja, we were shooting that cookbook, and this girl started following me, and I was like, this is the craziest, most amazing account. Like, she is just herself, like, it's just, like, street style, and I regrammed, like, you know, in your stories, so I was like, you know, because I post stuff that's, like, inspo, and, like, that's like vibey like that in my stories. Um, and I post more often in my stories than I actually do real posts. Um, but I reposted one of her photos and she's like, Oh my God, this is so cool. I can't believe you just did that. I'm like, you're amazing. Like what? And then her friend, uh, also started following me. He was in the picture, but he like runs a magazine in Mexico and I was like, do you need content? Because I've been sitting on this editorial. And I just, like, sent him the editorial. And he's like, oh, my God, we needed this. I was like, great. 
<laughs> like, I love connecting with people like that. Yeah. Like, even, like, in an Uber, like, yesterday, I was going home. So, yesterday was uneventful because I, like, went home with a migraine. Mm. And I was like, oh, God, like, get out of here. Like, yeah, I'm not functioning. But, mm-hmm. um, so I was, like, in the car. And he's just like, yeah, like, I'm from Mexico. Like, I haven't been back since I was a little baby. I'm getting my green card in, like, a month and a half. I'm really excited. And I was like, oh, I go to Mexico once a year. Like, you should totally come. And I was like, let's keep in touch. And then, like, an hour later, he's like, you wouldn't believe what just happened. And he sent me a screenshot from his lawyer that's like, your green card just arrived. Wow. And I'm like... The internet is so cool. Yeah, wow. <laughs> it's so cool. I love that. And I love that perspective. And I think I think that um I think that people can get really caught up in feeling like there should be a separation, but mm-hmm. like this is just our life these days. Yeah. Like it's just it's just another it's limb. All, totally. It's like just like being on the phone, like yeah. talking on the phone. Yeah. You're writing to someone in Mexico, you're writing to someone in Alabama or yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So earlier you pulled out your planner. I wanna yeah. hear what your ten year goal is. Oh boy. Uh there isn't a space in here for a ten year goal. So like but let's just dig let's deep. Just spitball. Okay, cool. <laughs> Um, Where do you want to be in 10 years? What do you want to be doing? Wow. I mean, I definitely want to still be doing food styling and, like, wardrobe and all of the creative things. I want to be working with more musicians for sure. I just get, get, like, so high off of it. It's, like, so cool, like, concepting all that stuff. Um, mm, I definitely want to do more published work um, in terms of food and fashion um, hopefully I'll have an agent by then. That would be really cool. Um, let's see. I mean, I would love to have a home somewhere. Um, we might be in New York. I don't know. Who knows? That would be rad. Yeah. I don't know. Besides that, I mean, I think those are like pretty good. Those are great. (laughs) Pretty good. Those are great. Um, what do you love the most and what do you love the least about being your own boss? Ooh. What I like the most is that I can make my own schedule. Um, that I can choose to work with really cool, kick-ass people. Um, and that I can advocate for creative people of color, which is really... I'm like... I, I'm, I feel like I'm like a godmother in that way where... If I am allowed to have an assistant on set, I make sure that they're a woman, that they're a person of color, that they're, or some kind of minority in some regard. Um, And if I can't, then I just get the most talented person I can. But, um, yeah, but usually that's, that's like where I start is like, okay, who do I know that is a person of color, that's a woman, that's trans, that's bi that's gay that's queer like let's come on come on with me (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know what I mean Mm -hmm. um I like doing that uh and like building community in that way and like exposing crews to that type of work um that it's not you don't have to work with the same group of people every time that there's really hungry amazing individuals out there who want to like do work um what else 
the I guess the thing that I don't like is that if I'm sick, I can't call out. You know, you yeah. still got to show up. Like mm-hmm. if you have a call and you have the flu, wear a fucking face mask and go. <laughs> you have to go. You know what I mean? Like yeah. steam yourself, whatever you have to do. <laughs> Eat a bag of roll, you know, like <laughs> ricola, whatever you have to do. Like I, I'm, I got to go. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, I think that's the one thing that like bums me out is like, oh my God, if I am sick, I'm done for. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to show up and you still have to do your best work. You still have to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So going back to your, what you like the most, why is it so important to hold the door open for people coming in after you? Because it's the people, I wouldn't be here if someone didn't do that for me. So honestly, like I think about my friend Amanda all of the time, because if she didn't open the door and get me into that circus gig, like I probably would not have done half the stuff I've done in the three years I've been freelancing. Yeah. And why is it so important to be inclusive um, of different races, genders, specialties, types, mm-hmm. regions? Like, why why is it important that not everybody at the table look, looks, sounds, talks the same? Um, I will say a quote from my, another Uber driver. Yes. <laughs> She is from Cambodia, and she said, we are all human beings. We have a lot of responsibility. And if we don't learn from each other, how will we know if we make mistakes? I got chills when she said that to me. And, like, I think about boardrooms all the time when there's no diversity, when there's no women, there's no people of color, there's no... Uh, there's no other perspective, you know, other than, like, this, like, you know, shielded, like, no peripheral, like, narrow viewpoint of the world. You make really bad mistakes that are really offensive or just flat-out wrong. Like, (laughs) H&M, I'm just going to say, when they put that monkey T-shirt on that little boy, that was... uh, oops, oops, like, (laughs) you didn't ask anybody? Like, wow, like, that's a bummer. Like, if you don't have anyone on your crew that can speak up and tell you if you're making a mistake, yeah, you're you're not going to, you're not going to (laughs) win. Yeah. So how will you know when you've made it? Uh, I guess I'm a true artist in that regard where I feel like there's always room for improvement and I don't feel like oh, I'm ever like at the point where it's like I can just like hang my hat up and like I also just like working a lot and so I don't think I'll ever get to that point where I can just rest on my laurels and be like I'm Jillian like no like I want to work with like amazing cool young people and like I want to learn from them and like that's half of the reason why I like working or like having assistants that are young and like doing uh really fun things like one like I can learn a ton from them they're teaching me all the time two it's like we can go on the ride together well you know what I mean like let's like learn from each other and like you know lift each other up too Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm Oh, that's good. <laughs> I really like that. I'm a big believer in finding finding the spark in people mm-hmm. and like 
giving them a shot. Yeah. Because just like you said, like, uh, there are so many occasions where someone took a chance on me Mm -hmm. and that gave me that next step towards, you know, where I want to go in my life. And I think it's only, it's only fair. And just like you said, like, gosh, like when I meet these, like there are these 20s, I don't know. It's like something about the water or like the atmosphere or something with like anybody who's 27 or 28 right now. So when I meet them and I'm like, I'll meet them and be like, oh, wow, you're so cool. I'm like, oh, wow. Like you're doing this with your life. Wow. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. And then I'll be like, how old are you? And every time I'm 27 or I'm 28 and I'm like, there must've been something in the water because there, I don't know. I don't know if it was because they, like, had baby Einstein or maybe they didn't. (laughs) I don't know. But they are some of the most creative, interesting people. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah. Um, What three pieces of advice would you give to a creative person, a person who knows that they're destined for greatness, they're destined for, um, for an exciting, challenging life, and they aren't sure how to own that yet? Hmm. Um... Know your worth. Um, I would definitely don't say no. Um, and show up. Yeah. Okay, so my last and final, my final and last question. <laughs> For you, yeah. right now, in this moment of your life, what is the meaning of life? What is the meaning? What's the purpose? What's the point? Wow. Um... I mean, honestly, like, I think I, like, wrote this on my Instagram yesterday that, like, we all have to leave something behind. And if we leave a little bit of our, like, sparkle and glimmer and glitter, then the world would be a brighter place for the next generation. Um, <clears throat> so... Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think we I think we just need to, like, share. I think we have a lot to learn from each other. I think we need to love each other. We need to start with that first. There's a lot of, like, hatred right now and misunderstanding and misguided judgments. Um, and I think we need to start with empathy and love first. And I think we'll sort the rest out after that. I mean, I think that's really the meaning of life is to... Like, enjoy each other's company, love, you know, our resources where we're getting things from the earth, loving our planet, loving each other, and just not being selfish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. You've been listening to This Guy's Legit. This episode was produced by me, Rachel Dorsey with editing by Drew Dorsey and original music by Taylor Joshua Rankin. This Guy's Legit is executive produced by Boningold. If you like what you heard, hit subscribe to get the next episode automatically. And if you really like what you heard, leave a review. And follow us on Instagram at This Guy's Legit.